this is Keisha, and I welcome you to this episode of Face to Face Podcast. It's my desire to create a sacred space for relationships and encounters with Jesus, because this is the way we are transformed. So my topic of discussion for today uh, is going to be about foundations. And I believe that some of the things that the Lord has been showing me are a little bit controversial. Um, and that's okay. Uh, I think from time to time, it's good for us to really take a step back and evaluate the things that we believe. Um, you know, I, I believe that a lot of the deceptions that we end up walking in, they're, they're innocent. It's because somebody else taught us to do the things that we're doing. We were uh, spiritual infants and we were put in the care of human beings. And, you know, in the course of 2000 plus years since the birth of Christianity, there have been deviations from the truth. I mean, Apostle Paul was constantly addressing the church. I look at his letter to the Galatians, um, who bewitched you? You know, they were, it's human nature to want to go back into that place of um, the law. You know, he was constantly addressing um, the the new church and, and their desire to be drawn back into the law. Don't let them take you there, you know, is what he was constantly saying to them. Um, so we don't always realize that um, the things that were taught were not built on strong foundations and just take a look around at the American church. And even with the amount of churches that we have in every community, the freedom that we have to worship Jesus openly whenever we want to. Um, I know as we're going through this COVID catastrophe, uh, going to church has been a challenge, but that doesn't stop us from being able to worship him. And I, I think this is part of what God's been doing in my heart since COVID started, since the pandemic started and the churches were being closed and people were all in a panic. Oh no, we can't go to church. And, uh, you know, God had already been kind of showing me some things uh, that were basically uh, deceptions that the church had been believing uh, that made us feel like the only way that we could go to church and we were not forsaking the assembling of the saints is if we went to this building. And I know in my heart that that is not 
what God's intention was <clears throat> for the early church. If you take it all the way back to the beginning, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that first gospel message, when he led those 3,000 people um, into that place of being saved and added to the church, they didn't immediately go and erect a building. Uh, that didn't happen until much, much later. And you know, this, some of what I'm going to talk about uh, is you know, the foundations that were initially built and then the things that crept in and created these deviations to bring us where we are today. And I believe that the American church is, as I've heard other spiritual leaders say, a mile wide, but an inch deep. And if we were to ever come under persecution, would we be able to stand up against what would come our way? Because Jesus promised us, he promised us that there would be persecution. He said, if they hate me, of course they're going to hate you. So we can't be surprised by the fact that in these tumultuous times that we're in, where people are making grabs for power, that we would see the church come under some pressure. We can't be surprised by that. But I think it's during those times of pressure that we really, truly need to examine where our hearts are personally. Because we can't change everything out there. But we can begin to look at the foundations that our own spiritual life is being built upon and be willing to examine it with an open mind and an open heart and allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to be the judge, so to speak, of what it is that we actually function from. Are we, are we truly portraying Jesus in our lives the way that we were called to do? So I just want to start out with um, Jesus as the chief cornerstone, as it is told in Ephesians 2.20. So in Ephesians 2, which was the scripture that we had talked about last week was the beginning of Ephesians 2. So this is a follow-up 
to what Paul was talking about in this chapter. So, I'm going to start in 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him he, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. I just love how the scripture speaks to every aspect of our lives and just gives depth to the, the answers that we're seeking. So we, as the Ecclesia, we're being joined together. We are that dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. So <clears throat> a cornerstone is the first stone laid for a structure with all other stones laid in reference. It's the alignment stone for the foundation. So if you don't have a proper cornerstone laid when you lay that foundation in any building, everything else that you're building is going to be off. Jesus himself, as the scripture said, is the cornerstone. So everything else that we build in our lives, everything else that is built within the church system itself, if Jesus, if Jesus is not truly the cornerstone, everything else will be off and you're going to see cracks in the foundation. You're going to see cracks in the walls. Things are going to shift. It's not going to stay functional. The truth of who Jesus is and what he accomplished must be what we build our lives upon 
or there will be cracks in the structure. This is so important for us to be aware of. Because if we are not building upon a strong foundation, this is where so many people end up, you know, it's as Jesus said in the scripture, he said, build, if you build your house upon shifting sand, when the storms come, your house is going to collapse. But if you build your house upon the rock, then when the storms come, your house will withstand. The more I understand Jesus's affections for me and the value he has placed upon my ransom, the price he was willing to pay for my very life, the more aware I become of religious falsehoods. There was a time in my own life where I was yet an infant in my spiritual walk with the Lord. And I was being I was being taught to perceive scripture from a legalistic and religious standpoint. And I look back on those times and I recognize how my heart was becoming hard, not because I didn't love Jesus because I really did love Jesus. But because I was watching the people around me who were to be teaching me. And as I said in the beginning, they're human beings. And when we rely too heavily on human beings, we're we're going to get hurt and we're going to get misled. That's just a given. Like I would even say to you right now about you listening to my podcast or when you listen to anyone, you need to have discernment of the Holy Spirit that you're using along with listening to the teachings that you take in searching the scriptures for yourself and being able to to have the holy spirit make you sensitive to the fact that somebody may be getting it wrong and unfortunately i wasn't taught to have a proper foundation i knew i was saved i knew my life had changed i had accepted christ i was repenting he was making me aware of my sin nature and the things that I needed to change. I was so sorry and so heartbroken about the mistakes I had made. And, and I knew I had, I knew I had come to life. 
And, you know, there were, there were things that I used to listen to and read and nobody told me to stop. I just knew I wasn't supposed to do it anymore. And the, the Bible came alive to me in a way that I, you know, I had tried to read it before and, and it didn't make sense. And it, it just didn't have any substance to it. But now it was like, I knew God was talking to me in it. But unfortunately, there are certain things that we're supposed to go beyond as a new believer. Now, we're not saved by anything but grace through faith in Christ. As it says in Romans 8, or Romans 10, starting in 8, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. It is only grace through faith that actually saves us. But there is a process that we are meant to go through once we have turned to follow Jesus. And I really wasn't taught the things that I needed to be taught. I was not taught foundational things, such as being baptized in water or being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts, when Peter does preach the first gospel message, he specifically mentions those things. And it was by the grace and the goodness of God that I was led to those things later on. But there was a lot of damage that had been done. There was a lot of wounds that I had had inflicted upon me because I didn't have that discernment. Like I said, we don't need those things to be saved. But I do believe that in order for us to not operate out of the wounds that we've accumulated over our life uh, and to be able to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit, we do need to be water baptized and to receive the Holy Spirit. Now we're ignited by the Holy Spirit and I do plan to do um, a more detailed teaching where I can give you scriptural references, uh, but I just did feel to mention that um, at the end of this uh, episode, I'm also going to mention um, a link that you can you can send me a voicemail directly to my podcast station, and I'm also going to I'm also going to uh, leave my email address at the end of this as well. So that way, if you have any questions or you would like me to help you find the scriptures that would give you uh, reference to what I'm talking about, because sometimes I talk and I don't always quote the scripture that I'm talking about. So that's a weakness of mine and I do apologize, but I'm always more than happy to help you seek those scriptures so that you can study them for yourself. 
because you do not take everything I'm saying at face value. I want you to go digging for yourself. I want you to be connected to the Holy Spirit. I want you to be face to face with Jesus. It was the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross in John 17, where he said, Father, I pray that they would be in me and I would be in them and we would be in you. I mean, it was just, it was so, so intimate. He wanted us all to be one. And when Jesus is the chief cornerstone in our lives and we are truly making this about a relationship with him and knowing him, this all comes together in a beautiful tapestry. One of the things that God has pointed out to me as I was praying for our nation and the things that we've been going through as a nation because I, I don't need to tell anyone about the civil unrest and and the shaky economy and the suicide rates being higher than ever. I don't need to tell you about that. You see that every day. It's in your face. But one of the things that the Lord had pointed out to me was that we can trace a lot of these false beliefs back to the doctrine our forefathers adhered to. The pilgrims had left their native country to escape from legalistic religion, yet they carried fear-based Christianity to lay a foundation for the new nation they sought to establish. You see, the pilgrims were of a Puritan sect known as separatists. They had broken away from the Anglican church. The English Protestants, which were influenced by John Calvin, they wanted to purify the church of the Roman Catholic influences. They objected strongly to church hierarchy and all the sacraments except baptism and the Lord's Supper. They made a pilgrimage to North America to make a clean start and spread the gospel. The only problem was that this clean slate that they wanted to make was unfortunately filled with falsehoods unbiblical falsehoods. They believed that infant baptism was important to wipe away original sin, and it was considered a pledge of faith. This isn't scriptural. 
There is nothing in the scriptures about infant baptism. And perhaps that's a shock to you. Uh, like I said, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. But infant baptism is not a biblical concept. They considered marriage a civil right rather than a religious right. Marriage is sacred. And unfortunately, they they did bring some of, even though they had broken away from the Roman Catholic influences, they, they did bring some of those things with them. It's like I said, you know, when we are infants, spiritual infants, there's things that were taught that may not be right. And, you know, I'm not saying that they were bad people. I'm not saying that they didn't have the right intentions. But even when we have the best of intentions and we're not following the truth and that cornerstone is not truly Jesus, then there's cracks. The pilgrims believe God predestined who would go to heaven or hell before the creation of the world. Therefore, they thought only the saved would engage in godly behavior. This created a need for strict obedience to the law and hard work. Slackers were severely punished. Although they claimed strictly strict adherence to the Bible only, many of the practices were not biblical at all. While the intention was for good, there were many things done throughout American history that caused harm, even by those who claimed to serve and honor the Lord. One of the one of the things that God brought to my mind in this, you know, he gave me this image in my head of the beginnings of our nation. And, you know, I saw, I saw a man in, in stocks in the middle of the village square and I saw a pregnant woman with a scarlet letter that revealed her as a harlot. I saw women being burned at the stake because they were accused of being witches. I saw a trail of tears and slavery that was widely accepted in our nation for way too long. And the people that did these things claimed to know our Lord and Savior. 
And to me, it's heartbreaking. So many religions and so many denominations pointing, accusing fingers at all who do not adhere to their version of truth. This is not what Jesus taught. And if we can be honest with ourselves, if we, we are not following his teachings, then we are following a false doctrine as well. And that is why it is so important for us to really know Jesus for ourselves personally and not just to take someone else's word for it. There are a lot of things that we are taught to do when we go to church and it's innocent. But the, the devil is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Lions look for the weak in a herd. They look for the weaklings. They look for the young and they look for the, the lame. And if they can, if the lion can find them slightly separated from the herd, they attack. And that is what the enemy does to us. And he will use those that are supposed to teach us. When in fact, they are not supposed to be the ones that we rely upon solely for everything that we need. Jesus had a mission to release us from the grip of sin and death so we could re be reconciled back to fellowship with God. It is about a life of humility, forgiveness, and loving our enemies. These are the things that Jesus taught. If we read the Sermon on the Mount, those are the three themes that are the that stand out the strongest humility forgiveness and the love of our enemies i'm just going to turn to romans 5 and verse 10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's what it's about, guys. Reconciliation. We are reconciled to God so that we can be reconciled to one another. And Jesus accomplished that as the cornerstone. We are to love God with all that we are 
and to love our neighbor. Jesus said that those, those two things were what everything else hinges on. And all this other stuff, all this other junk, it goes to the wayside if we don't have those things in our life. Jesus must be our cornerstone or our foundation will never be right. And the problem is, is we're trying to fill in the cracks and the crevices and the, the places where the, the wind is getting in. We're trying to fill it with stuff that really doesn't matter. The things that matter the most are that we know deeply that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And in that, we are being built together as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit in Christ. We are We are meant to be the Ecclesia. We are meant to be in fellowship with God, in relationship with God, and in fellowship and relationship with one another. It is so difficult to find people that you can be truly Christ-centered and real with. It's so difficult to find people who are willing to be transparent or willing to allow you to be transparent. It is about it is about the core the core message of how God is love. In 1 John 4, 7 through 11, it tells us about how God is love. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. And that is how we can get to those those core things that that we need to understand about who Christ is. Because that is what he is. He's a he is humility. He is forgiveness. He is love of his enemies while we were yet his enemies. He laid down his life for us. Now, if that is not just a beautiful depiction of forgiveness and humility, I don't know what is. We need to run everything we follow through these two filters, love and free will. And that will keep us on the path of life. That will keep us in the light. If we're willing to run everything that we 
believe through the filters of love and free will, it will keep us on the path of life. You know, there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to is going to say the words to some people away from me, I never knew you. And I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of that crowd. I want to do everything in my power. I cry out to the Lord constantly, don't let me be deceived. And he has been so faithful to that. You know, I had spoken of how I was legalistic and was judgmental because of the things I had been taught. And the way that God delivered me of that was that I had, I had gone, uh, I had gone up front during an uh, a time of prayer at a meeting and they were, they were praying for people who wanted, um, deliverance. And I asked the, the gentleman to pray that I would be delivered of a spirit of fear. I knew that I was operating in fear. Little did I know that God would deliver me and that it would it would earn me a lot of enemies <laughs> needless to say <clears throat> it would earn me a lot of enemies because i would once i was delivered of that spirit of fear i started loving people in a way that i wasn't capable of loving them before and because i was loving people i look back on it and i realize i was I was pretty much being treated how Jesus got treated when he ate with harlots and tax collectors and and all kinds of bad people with bad reputations or so they were considered in their community and when I started I started fellowshipping with and spending time with people that were considered less than I was accused of running with Jezebels and and uh, and it was it was quite a shock. I didn't expect something like that to happen, but I don't regret it. I don't regret it for one second. As painful as it was to have people turn their back on me that I thought were my brethren. I am so glad that I had my eyes open to the truth and that I didn't that I didn't stay in that place and it was because I asked I asked God to not let me be deceived and he he made sure that I was on the right path I while I was while I was studying um, for this 
God had shown me as I was reading a, a book that a friend of mine had written, and he, he happened to mention John Calvin in the book. And the things that I learned about John Calvin brought me to tears. I could not believe that someone who claimed to love God would do the things that John Calvin did. God had shown me, and now like I had said, um, our forefathers were actually... uh, following some of John Calvin's teachings, one of them being infant baptism. John Calvin believed so strongly in infant baptism that those that tried to oppose him, they ended up being burned alive on a stake. Um, I won't go, I won't go into it too deeply. Um, But I would, I would definitely recommend that you look, that you would look into it for yourself. There is, um, I had found some things online in reference to a book that was written called Calvin's Reign of Terror. He he established a theocracy in Geneva, Switzerland, where the church ruled the state. And there were 34 people burned at the stake for doctrinal differences, which they called heresy. I, I just, I couldn't even wrap my mind around it. Um, Martin Luther is another one. Martin Luther, uh, the very man who nailed the 99 thesis to the cathedral door that rocked and revolutionized the church. He had a very deep hate for the Jews and had written a had written a piece called And on the Jews and Their Lies. Look some of that up too. It's it's said that Martin Luther's uh, piece that he wrote about the Jews was widely cited amongst the Nazis in Germany as to their justification of why the persecution of the Jews needed to take place. And there were even churches that heralded Martin Luther for pointing out to them how the Jewish people needed to be tolerated no more. 
and I I shed a lot of tears reading about these two uh, these two are who are considered fathers of the faith and you hear all these positive things but I was like how did I never hear about this stuff and it's deception you know I I say those things because guys we really have to be willing to step back and examine what we believe we really have to and I and I those things in contrast with um you know, there are many who were the hands and feet of Jesus who lived humble and meek lives. Um, there was a man by the name of Zenas Brockett, and he was an abolitionist who gave his life to seeing slaves brought to freedom. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing to read about. And this man was humble and he, he just did what God was calling him to do. And it was beautiful. And these are the people that I believe truly had built their lives on a foundation with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. You know, these abolitionists, they, they even had to break away from their, their churches because their churches wouldn't support what they were doing. They had to stay neutral. They wouldn't be appalled at what was going on. And you think God doesn't? You think God doesn't remember? You think it doesn't matter that a church didn't support abolitionists? You think that the enemy didn't grow some roots in the history of that establishment? I, I, I say this boldly, I believe that God desires for the institutional church to not exist. I believe that he desires for things to get back to the way that they were when the church was first born. That his people would be living as this organic, loving family where you actually care about the people that you're sitting at the table with and that you would grow together, that you would use your spiritual gifts together. There is a, a book, highly, highly recommended by... Uh, the author is Frank Viola. 
And the name of the book is Pagan Christianity. P-A-G-A-N, Pagan Christianity. And he unravels so many things in this book. Things that you just didn't even realize came from pagan roots. Things like sitting in church pews and looking at a pulpit. The order of worship. I mean, there's, like I said, we have to be willing going forward to lay it down. There are cracks in the walls, guys. There are cracks in the walls. And if we truly want to see Jesus glorified the way he deserves, we're not going to try stuffing those cracks anymore. We're going to fix the foundation. We're going to get down to the very foundation and we're going to fix that first. We're going to make sure that Jesus is the cornerstone of that foundation. And if that means that we have to disassemble everything else and bring it right down to the foundation, then so be it. And as I said, you know, I, I'm not saying this to... You know, that we should all go out there and start pointing the finger at the church. No, we have to first look at our own hearts. That's where it starts first, is in our own hearts, in our own relationship with Jesus Christ. Is my foundation sound? Is Jesus the cornerstone of my life? Am I running things through the filter of love and free will? Do I love people, but do I allow them to have a free will? Do I, do I speak things out of love and then still allow people to have a free will? Or am I trying to manipulate everybody? Am I being bitter and unforgiving? Is my pride getting the best of me? Do I really love my enemies? How do I humble myself, Lord? <laughs> You know, how do I, how do I recognize if pride is my, is my weakness? These are all things that the Holy Spirit really does want to address in our lives because if we really want to have face-to-face, a deep loving relationship with God, we got to get this religious garbage out of the way. So let's dig in. Let's dig in and get to the truth. I want the light. I want Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. So... That's what I've got for this this episode. And like I said, if you have any questions or you want to leave me any comments or suggestions, I am going to, in the description uh, 
for this episode, there will be a link to my voicemail for this podcast. Or if you prefer to email me, you can send that email to face to face kmj at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And the next episode, I'm going to I'm going to do an episode every Thursday, every Thursday morning, I'm going to release an episode. Um, but I'm, oh, I'm going to hopefully throw a little nugget in there um, on Sundays as well. Um, that may just be a little extra that I do once in a while, but the Thursdays I'm, I'm going to be committed to doing a Thursday morning. I'm going to release a Thursday morning podcast. So uh, for next time, I plan to talk about uh, a chapter out of Frank Viola's book, Pagan Christianity, and it's about revolutionary, our revolutionary Jesus, and how he did not adhere to religion but challenged it and how that changed Christianity. That's how the, how it changed the religious. Christianity itself changed religion. It blew it apart. So I'm looking excited. I'm excited and looking forward to getting that put together for you. So until next time, God bless. And I'll talk to you again soon.